London Calling. London Walks Connecting. London Walks here with your daily London fix. Story time, history time. Story time, history time for August 9th. We need some music to get us started. Let's head down to 180 Ebury Street. It's a 1764 Airbnb. A young Austrian musician named Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is staying there. Today, August 9th, is a red-letter day for that young man. He's just completed his first symphony. He's eight years old. So yes, our overture features that wee lad. The rest of this is about women. London women and London area women and London areas. We're going to push the boat out a little bit. Head to London on the sea, Brighton, and Tilbury, where London's river meets the sea. So yes, Vasser, water, is our medium here. These three sets of August 9th London and London area women are like water lilies. We'll take them chronologically. Beginning on August 9th, 1588, it's an electrifying time in English history. For about three weeks, the Spanish Armada has taken a pummeling from the weather and the superior seamanship of English vessels. But the threat hasn't been seen off. There's an invasion force just across the channel in the Netherlands. A force of four and a half thousand English militia have been assembled in Tilbury, down on the Thames estuary from London, to try to beat them back should they cross the channel and head up the Thames to London. Good Queen Bess, Queen Elizabeth I, clad in a suit of armor, goes down to Tilbury to address those four and a half thousand militiamen, breathe fire into them, steal them to the task at hand. What she says to them, as a piece of oratory, won't see its equal until Winston Churchill works his magic with words some 350 years later. Here's her address. My loving people, we have been persuaded by some that are careful of our safety to take heed how we commit ourselves to armed multitudes for fear of treachery. But I assure you, I do not desire to live to distrust my faithful and loving people. Let tyrants fear. I have always so behaved myself that, under God, I have placed my chiefest strength and safeguard in the loyal hearts and goodwill of my subjects. And therefore, I am come amongst you, as you see, at this time, not for my recreation and disport, but being resolved, in the midst and heat of the battle, to live and die amongst you all, to lay down for my God and for my kingdom and my people, my honor and my blood even, in the dust. I know I have the body but of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king, and of a king of England too, and think foul scorn that the Duke of Parma, or Spain, or any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm, to which rather than any dishonor shall grow by me 
I myself will take up arms. I myself will be your general judge and rewarder of every one of your virtues in the field. I know already, for your forwardness, you have deserved rewards and crowns. And we do assure you in the word of a prince, they shall be duly paid you. In the meantime, my lieutenant general shall be in my stead, than whom never prince commanded a more noble or worthy subject, not doubting but we shall shortly have a famous victory over those enemies of my God, of my kingdom, and of my people. Stirring stuff. And now we're going to come forward 23 years, to August 9th, 1611. And we're going to the other end of the social scale. We're going to meet a London woman who, alas, is given some rough treatment. She's magnificently named Step Forward Maudlin Tichon. Maudlin's a parishioner of St. Martin in the Fields. She was sharp-tongued, a scold, so much so that they arranged a special punishment for her. And no need to be coy about that vague pronoun, they. The people who punished her. They were men. The parish fathers. We get the tale from the City of London Records Office. That word scold, that's their word. I prefer to think of Maudlin as high-spirited. And I very much hope she gave as good as she got. I think of her as a Tudor yenta to use that splendid Yiddish word. I can see, or rather hear, that sharp tongue of hers lacerating them with the Tudor equivalent of that good old Yiddish curse. May a buffalo in heat find you in his time of need. Or in that same vein, how does the story go? An elderly Jewish woman is leaving the garment district to go home from work. Suddenly, a man who has been walking towards her stands in front of her, blocks her path, opens up his raincoat, and flashes her. Unruffled, Maudlin takes a look and remarks, You call that a lining? Anyway, whatever it was she said, it earned her special treatment from the parish fathers. The usual punishment for a scold was a ducking in a stream. The swine wanted to make an example of Maudlin, so they laid on some extra for her. She was towed across the Thames at the tail of a boat. That was on August 9th, 1611. I hope she found a way to pay them back, and more power to English femaledom on August 9th, 1979. On that day, Britain's first nudist beach opened. In Brighton, of course. As one would expect, women acquitted themselves better than men. The event attracts lots of peeping toms, all men, of course. The women comport themselves with a lovely combination of joie de vivre and dignity. It's been suggested that the culturally shaming page three picture, which of course now, and rightly so, has pretty much been consigned to the dustbin of history, said page three picture, the brainchild, needless to say, of editors of my gender, it's been suggested that the yucky press coverage, which inevitably featured coy, unclad, but discreetly posed young women, 
may have been the Petri dish and ingredients that gave rise to the Page 3 girl. But it's quite a yomp, isn't it, August 9th? One of the greatest moments of the greatest monarch of them all. And, one hopes, the wrath and blazing indignation and unquenchable spirit of Maudlin Tishon and fearless and dignified nudes on Brighton Beach. British women, we all should be lost in admiration. And for a Today in London recommendation, I think we better go to the V&A. Start with Londoner Sir Paul Pinder's house. It's almost contemporary with Queen Elizabeth's day at Tilbury. And just generally, the V&A's collection of Tudor Auger d'Art runs to nearly 2,000 items. Enough to get you started. You've been listening to the Today in London History podcast emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's local, time-honored, fiercely independent, family-owned, just-the-right-size walking tour company, and as long as we're at it, London's multi-award-winning walking tour company, indeed, London's only award-winning walking tour company, And here's the secret. London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for £20 a walk, but you cannot get world-class guides, let alone accomplished professionals. It's not rocket science. You get what you pay for. And just as surely... You also get what you don't pay for. Back in 1968, when we got started, we quickly came to a fork in the road. We had to answer a searching question. Do we want to make the most money, or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money, you go the schlubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company in the world. You do whatever you have to do to attract and keep the best guides in London. You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards. It's the reason people who know go with London Walks. It's the reason we've got a big following, a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able, uniquely, to front our walks with accomplished, in many cases, distinguished professionals, barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, archaeologists, historians, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, a bevy of MVPs, Oscar winners, people who've won the Guide of the Year award. Well, you get the idea. As that travel writer famously put it, if this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we put it, London Walks guides make the new familiar and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London Walks. See you tomorrow.